Good morning, Restoration. My name is Zach Crayer, one of the pastors here. It's good to see you all uh, this morning, this Sunday, this Lord's Day, family worship, Woo, right? Kids, I'm glad that you're in here with me, um, or with all of us here. Uh, and we're in this third week of our vision series, right? This vision series about looking at who we are as this local particular congregation here in St. Louis, Missouri, and what the work that the Lord has called us to do. And remember that this was all rooted uh, when we've been looking at uh, through our Acts series. Dan preached on a while ago uh, from Acts chapter 11, the church in Antioch, and he showed us how they pursued restoration, maturity in Christ, service, evangelism. And so he started that off uh, for us, and two weeks ago he really looked at the why. Why do we do what we do here at Restoration, and that's because we pursue the restoration of peoples, communities, and cultures in the greater St. Louis area and around the world through the transforming power of the gospel. And that's our why. That's what everything focuses really around that vision statement. And then John looked at last week, he started kind of looking at the how, right? So if we're pursuing restoration through the transforming power of the gospel, one of the ways that we do that is pursuing maturity in Christ. And so this week now we're going to go ahead and move into the second portion of the how, which is really well, this idea of service. One of the ways that we can pursue restoration through the transforming power of the gospel is through serving. And to lead off with this theme, I'm actually going to invite Gina Choi up here. Um, you know, we've been sharing stories and testimonies during this vision series. And so I want to start off with Gina, and she's going to share um, really how her ways of serving here in this church has been a part of seeing that vision of restoration play out. So, yeah, go ahead, Gina. Church looks a lot bigger from here. <laughs> um, hi, if you don't know me already, my name is Gina Choi. My husband is Luke. My son is also named Luke, and I have a daughter named Lily. We've been at Restoration since 2012, so a little over 10 years now. Um, I was asked to speak a little bit about my survey experience, and I think, or from the get-go, uh, my husband and I had a desire to serve. I think one of the very first things we did was help out in the nursery when we were still at the Olivet Community Center. But um, fast forward to today, and I am a children's worship teacher teaching pre-K kids. Originally, my husband and I had signed up to be helpers, and we were asked if one of us would be willing to teach, and our immediate reaction was, Probably not, <laughs> but it was via email, so we had some time to consider and think about it, and eventually we felt that God was leading me to accept um, or take on this responsibility because we knew there was obviously a need, and we knew that um, we wanted to help out the children's ministry in a hands-on um, in a hands-on way between the both of us. So. Um, my first day teaching um, was absolutely terrifying. <laughs> um, yes, I was scared of a group of three to five-year-old kids, and but I quickly discovered that I actually really love teaching, and we have a wonderful foundation for the um, well-thought-out program for Res Kids and a wonderful teaching curriculum that we follow, but. I actually found that I love preparing the lessons and figuring out the best way to engage your children and simply being with them. I sometimes still get nervous when I teach them, but I remind myself that, you know, lesson plans and preparation are important, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm a vessel. 
and I'm constantly praying for God's love and light to be shining through so because at the end of the day they're also going to remember how you made them feel and I think it's these constant prayers that have made me feel I've grown spiritually I I mean honestly I'm still kind of processing how I've grown from this experience I I know I've grown but I can't quite articulate it but I know without a doubt that I feel truly blessed to be teaching these group of kids. And um, it has been such a joy getting to know each and every single one of them as you know, unique, funny, um, cute individuals. And um, I've really enjoyed that experience. Um, so that's my children's worship experience. In the past, I also served on the AV team, which I have since transitioned out of. I had, um, this was pre-pandemic, I had a moment where I thought, I'm gonna try something totally out of the box. So I signed up for AV team and it never stopped feeling like an out of the box experience. <laughs> so I transitioned out of that, but um, shout out to Jake G and the rest of the AV team for their great work. Um, but I wanted to mention that experience because, um, you know, I wouldn't call it a failure, but it wasn't a, you know, a great fit. And, but when I look back on both my children's worship and AV experience, I, what these two experiences have in common is that, you know, I tried something different. I tried something unexpected. I tried something that made me feel a little uncomfortable. I tried something that, um, what I thought was outside of my skills and interests. But I didn't really know until I tried. And reflecting on both of these experiences, I'm still thankful for both of them because it gave me opportunities to work alongside and um, work with people within our church community. And um, so obviously there are different reasons and seasons for you know serving in different areas within our church, but I can honestly say that, you know, if not in the moment, then in retrospect, I can always see God's hand working in it. And in fact, I would have to say that um, I really, really and truly cannot recall any time where serving the church in any capacity, whether it was, whether it fit my skills or interests or whether it was a one-day commitment or a more long-term commitment where it um, did not create a greater, greater sense of community for me within restoration. So that's it. <laughs> Thank you, Gina, and uh, I can attest, I mean, one of my oldest, our oldest son is in uh, the three to five-year-old class that Gina teaches, and we think he, she does a great job, and it's really fun to see uh, the ways that she serves to be a part of this, really, this vision, right, of restoration through the transforming power of the gospel, to see the ways that um, I know our own son learns, and um, I'm sure many of your other kids who are in there uh, learn with her. Uh, with that, kind of as uh, a testimony to start off this sermon, I want to go ahead and now get to uh, the text that we're going to be in today. It's going to be Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 13. And I'm going to invite another person up here, Chad Denny, <laughs> to go ahead and read uh, this text for us. Um, again, it's Romans 12, 1 to 13. And uh, it, we do have pew Bibles if you need one of those. And if you don't have a pew Bible, feel free to take that home with you. We'd love to give that to you as a gift uh, that you can continue reading about who this Jesus is uh, that we uh, come to worship every Sunday. Uh, so with that, I'm going to let uh, Chad read the word for us. Thank you. 
Thanks be to God. Thanks, Chad. Let's go ahead and pray before we dive in here. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you that you give us your word, that you reveal yourself to us through your word, uh, that you came down for us and served us, uh, even to the point of death. Uh, God, as we come and are reminded of this uh, redemptive narrative, this gospel story uh, that you have enacted, uh, may we be encouraged and exhorted and convicted uh, to be who we are, which is your children, which is a part of your family, and how that is um, an impetus for us to serve. Uh, Holy Spirit, enlighten our minds this morning as we come to your text, and we pray this all in your son Jesus' name. Amen. So there's this well-known children's book uh, that I have read many, many a times with my kids, and I think kids, a lot of you in here might know this book, or uh, parents, you might know this book, right, if you read this. So I'm going to start it. Let's see if, we can, if you can finish it here. It says, horn went beep, engine purred, friendliest sounds. All right, a few of y'all have read that, right? <laughs> Little blue truck, kids, I don't know if y'all know this book. Maybe you guys have, have read it. Uh, but it's this great, simple story, right, where we have this little blue truck, and if you get past the introduction of all the characters, you get to the conflict, right? And so, kids, you might know this, right? It says, honk, yell, dump truck coming through. I have big, important things to do. I haven't got time to pass the day with every duck along the way. But, of course, he keeps going, and he gets stuck in the mud, right? And so, eventually, he says, Haunt cried dump, and he sounded scared, but nobody heard or nobody cared. Nice. I still hear some, some of y'all saying it. So he's all alone, right? He's doing his own thing. He gets stuck in the mud. No one's coming to help him. But then into the mud, bump, 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 came Little Blue Truck to help the dump. Little Blue Truck pushed with all his, night, his might. Now Blue and Dump were both stuck tight. So what happens? He calls the animals, all the animals in the introduction that we've skipped over. He's calling. He's like, come help me. Help me get this big dump truck out. So it said, now they all are pushing the dump truck, and they can't get him out. But towards the end of the characters that are showing up, it says, they couldn't quite budge that heavy load, but then who hopped up but the big green toad? And it was the toad's presence that was the final push, right? All together, one, two, three, one last push, and the trucks were free. Nice. <laughs> and then dump, dump truck, big dump truck, has this change. Because after he gets out of the mud, this is what he says. He says, thanks, little brother, said dump to blue. You helped me, and they helped you. Now I see a lot depends on a helping hand from a few good friends. And then it goes on to, to close out the story. But the reason I start with that story, right, is that the heart or the thread of that storyline is the fact that little blue truck is coming to serve big dump truck, right? And he can't do it by himself. So he is willing to inconvenience himself to get down into the mud with big dump truck, uh, but he ends up not being able to do it alone. He needs all of his animal friends to come along, and not just the horse, not just the cow or the bull, these like big muscular animals, but you actually need big green toad to hop up in there with them to get dump out of the truck. And so serving is the heart of this story, and it's also the heart of what I think Paul is saying here in this passage in Romans 12, which is the fact that part of being a follower of Christ, if we're going to call ourselves Christians, that means that we are going to be a living sacrifice, as our, as our text says this morning. In other words, that means we're going to serve. 
right? We're going to get into the mud alongside one another in pursuit of this restoration through the transforming power of the gospel. And now, before I jump into the three main points, I do want to caveat this, especially if you're new and this is your first sermon. You're like, great, I came to church and it's like a sermon on service. Now I'm going to be told, like, oh, what do I got to do, right? And maybe for some of you all here, as you know, like, serving can be emphasized sometimes. You might be thinking, oh, brother, like, service sermon. Like, I'm going to walk out of here with this guilt or this shame to do more. And I hope not at all that's what happens, right? John preached last week how we don't serve as a means to gain any righteousness. We don't serve to gain merit. Uh, But I hope through our sermon we're reminded about who we are and that serving is a part of our identity as followers in Christ and that we do come away with this joy and this burden to serve because it's actually the way that gives us not just flourishing for ourselves as God's people, but that actually gives him glory and builds his kingdom, right? Little little dump truck got, our big dump truck got stuck in the mud, um, and he was alone and scared as he was pursuing his own interests. Uh, But with that, let me go ahead and get into these three main points here. That will be pretty quick because I know it's a family worship service, right? So we have three points, the appeal to serve, the ability to serve, and then the act of serving, So look at verse 1 again with me um, in this text, 12 verse 1. It says, Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, when we read that, we see the word living sacrifice. And if you've grown up in the church, uh, you might just glaze over that word because we say the word sacrifice a lot. Um, But it actually is a word that is packed with a lot of meaning. And there's a lot of irony and paradox here. Because if you think about what a sacrifice was, normally sacrifices were dead. Okay, that, that's not cool. Uh, that sacrifices were also animals, right? And they were presented for various things. Sometimes they would present sacrifices um, in the New Testament times as a thanksgiving to, to God. Sometimes it would be a free will offering. Sometimes it was just out of a proper mode of worship. Uh, but other times, priests would bring sacrifices as a way to kind of uh, appease God for the sin of his people, right? The fact that, um, you know, the people sinned, and instead of them being punished, we're going to sacrifice this animal in place of it, right? So when Paul calls us to be living sacrifices, it's like, whoa, we're, first of all, we're living, we're not dead. Second of all, it's God's people who are the sacrifice, not animals. And who does that sound right, right? Who does that sound like who is uh, both the sacrifice himself and the one who brings the sacrifice. Kids, what's the answer always? Jesus, Jesus right? And we, we joke about that oftentimes, but in a real reality, that's the, that is the answer to everything, right? Jesus is the answer of this gospel narrative story. And so as we think about serving here, we have to think about this idea that living sacrifice is a part of that, that you're giving yourself up for the interests of others. You're laying down your own life in order to go ahead and serve other people. And again, if you think about Little Blue Truck, right, he laid down his own conveniences to go get in the mud with Big Dump Truck. The second thing about verse 1 that I want to point out is the fact that it says, therefore, through the mercies of God. So it's not, Paul's not just appealing to serve for serving's sake, like, hey, you got to do this. He's actually saying, therefore, because of all the mercies of God that I said in chapters 1 through 11, Right? And if you were to, if you've read Romans before, you might be some familiar with some of these concepts. It's like you've been justified by grace through faith, Romans 3. You have hope. The love of God has been poured out in your hearts. We have confidence, Romans 5. 
Romans 8 says that there is no condemnation for anyone who's in Christ Jesus. The fact that the Spirit is living inside you, you're a child of God, you're an heir of the kingdom, that nothing in heaven or earth can separate you from the love of Christ. That's Romans 8. Romans 9 to 11, it's anybody can be a part of the family of God. You didn't have to be Jewish. You could also be a Gentile to be a part of the family of God. Because of all of these things, Romans, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And the fact that we also can call ourselves God's people, that's true for us too. Not, not only are these mercies true for you, but if you think about the ways that God has acted in your own life, like if you zoom out and pan out, like we heard from Steve last week, all the ways that God has been faithful in your own life, because of those mercies, because of his grace there, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, or in other words, present your bodies as a, as a servant of God. So by the mercies of God, there is this appeal to serve, but not only is there an appeal, also by the mercies of God or by his grace, we are given the ability to serve. And so that's the second point here. If you look at verses 2 through 8, I'm going to read those again, starting in verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that has been assigned. For as in one body there are many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. So having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So there's two aspects of this ability to serve that we see in these verses. And the first one I want to highlight is verses basically two and three, where it talks about our mind. And it talks about the fact that we've been tr our mind is to be transformed. Now, if you are familiar with Romans, again, Paul's actually talked about the mind before. He says that before Christ, our minds were darkened, that our minds were debased, and so we lived out our sin, we lived out our depravity through our bodies. But now in Romans 12, he says to live out, be a living sacrifice, to give your bodies as a sacrifice to the Lord, and that your mind is transformed. And the fact that we have a transformed mind, that we are have a restoration of our mind through an encounter of Christ is extremely important. So I'm going to quote, I'm going to read Philippians 2, verses 3 to 7 for us, because I think it fills out this meaning of a, of a transformed mind that Paul's getting at. This is what Philippians 2 said, and Paul, Paul wrote Philippians as well. He says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus who emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. See, before Christ, our mind was about our own ambitions, our own self-interests, our own conceit. Uh, we were pursuing really our own ways. So how can you serve when that's the case? Or if that's the case, well, you can't serve, right? If, if you're serving out of a place that's just for your own self, like I remember if I went to college fairs back in the day, I was really only talking to people because I cared about myself getting a job. I wasn't actually, like, caring about the people I was talking to, right? We can't actually serve out of that place. But that's not who we are anymore, because Paul says that our mind is now Christ's mind, a transformed mind, a restored mind. 
the fact that we count others more significant than ourselves, that we are pursuing the interests of others. Or in Romans uh, verse 3 says that we are not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought, but to think with humility, right? So the ability to serve comes partly from this restoration of our mind, to have a mind like Christ. Then the second piece of our, our ability to serve is the fact that verses 6 through 8 lay out all these gifts that we've been given. I think I know for myself and probably for many of you in here, right, we love things like the Enneagram, the Myers-Briggs, the DISC, the Gallup Strengths Finders, like all these things because we want to know more about who we are. We want to be unique. We want to be special. We want to be gifted for particular tasks. And God's saying, you have been. You do have gifts. Now, commentators will say this is... Um, this focus of this list, if you notice, I think it says in verse 6, uh, where am I? Somewhere here. Yeah, he says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And then he lists them out. So the focus of these gifts, because this isn't exhaustive, there's other lists in the New Testament, is not what the gift is as much as the fact that we actually devote ourselves to it. If you've been given a gift, use it right? The body needs you. Like if the cow didn't show up or the horse didn't show up or little blue truck didn't show up or even little, uh, or I uh, little getting mixed up with the little and the bigs, big green toad. If he didn't show up, right? If he didn't come and use his own gifts, big dump truck wouldn't have gotten out of the mud. So each one of us are given these special gifts to come alongside one another in the body. And as John preached last week, right, serving one another, coming alongside one another is to grow up in our maturity in Christ, is to build up the body, is to expand and be a part of the work of the building uh, of the kingdom of God. See, how many of us are like big dump truck where we're barreling through life, we got no time for other people, but if we're honest with ourselves, we're left isolated and alone, or at least maybe unfulfilled. Or maybe some of us in here, kids, maybe you feel this way. You're like little blue truck where you feel smaller than big dump truck. You feel like maybe you can't do as much as a big dump truck. But big dump truck needed little blue truck. And little blue truck and big dump truck needed big green toad, right? And it all started with this heart of serving. The fact that little blue truck was willing to go down, inconvenience himself, get in the mud, and to be stuck with big dump truck to push him out. And that's what Christ does for us, right? He comes down, he came down, right? And he continues to come down. He basically gets himself stuck in the mud and filth of our own sin. He, he takes that mud and filth on so that we can get out of that, right? He died on the cross so that we wouldn't be stuck in our dirt and our mud and the filth of our sin. He took that on him so that we would be free. And he modeled this act of serving, this living sacrifice for us so that we would go and do likewise. We are his body, right? Verses four and five. We are members of Christ's body. Christ is a servant. We are his body. That means we are servants too. So we have this appeal to serve. We have this ability to serve. And then lastly, we actually have the act of serving. So if you look at verses nine uh, through 13, I'll read those again for us. It says, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Now do one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord, rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Seek to show hospitality. Commentators note that this transition, in, in, I think the subheading in lots of your uh, text probably say marks of a true Christian. 
And so there's this shift from, yes, we do all have individual gifts that are for coming alongside and serving, but then those gifts are to be manifested in these universal virtues, right? If you have the gift of teaching, let your teaching be done in love that's genuine. If you have the gift of generosity, let your generosity be done in love that is genuine and in all these other facets that come in verses 9 to 13. Two things I want to point out from here that I think uh, deepens our understanding of this what act of serving looks like or is, is the fact that the word love here is agape, and many of you all might be familiar with that word. It's this highest uh, meaning of love, this selfless love, this God-like love that is always applied to God in the scriptures, that he has this agape love for us. And what's interesting is that agape love from Romans 1 to 11 is only applied to God. That's when we use the word agape. But then when we transition to Romans 12, Paul is now using this agape love that's been demonstrated on the cross for us in Romans 5, that's been poured into our hearts, Romans 5, that won't ever let us go no matter what, Romans 8. That agape love is now the love that we are called to carry out as Christian disciples, as followers of Christ. And any agape love that is real would be would, would come with this heart of serving, right? But in case we didn't get it, Paul adds uh, genuine, right? Let love be genuine. And this word for genuine in the Greek is uh, on hypocritas, so without hypocrisy. And right, if, you've, if you heard this word before, hypocrisy was the Greek word for this mask that actors would use uh, when they're on stage to hide behind and perform. So our love that is genuine the way that we serve using our gifts and loving one another is not to be behind a mask for our own performance on a stage, nor is it to be a mask to hide behind, but that it would actually be real love for one another. See, Paul is calling his readers in Rome to this way of life, uh, and the fact that this is God's word um, for all of God's people throughout time and space, it is for our instruction too. And so this is God's exhortation to us that we would serve with our particular gifts, with a love that is genuine. Now, for some of you in here, like we just heard from Gina, a lot of you guys are serving, right? And so this sermon, I hope, is more of just an encouragement to keep doing these good works, these ways of serving the body and even serving outside the church. I know a lot of you do things outside of these walls to serve people. And so it's this encouragement but for some of you, I hope it's also this challenge. Maybe for some of you, it's this challenge to be reminded and prodded by the Holy Spirit to inconvenience yourselves and to lay aside some of your time, to not be a big dump truck with no time for anybody else, but to set some time aside to come along the body because we need you. As I was reflecting on this sermon and thinking about the ways that you guys already serve, and maybe for some of you this will just perk your interest of like, oh, I want to be a part of this too. Of course, there's the more formal avenues, right, of next-gen ministry, and if you want to do that, shout out. Happy to talk to you. <laughs> um, but there's also music, right? There's AV. There's welcoming. Those are some of the formal ways. But there's also a lot of these informal ways, right? There's meal calendars that you guys sign up for that get sent out through Friday emails. There's just being present in your things like community groups, right, as we encourage and hear one another's stories and be re remind one another of the gospel. Uh, there's the fact that some of you drive people to church that don't have cars, right? Other ways to serve is getting to know some of the international students at WashU, far away from home, 
Some of it's coming alongside families um, who are less fortunate. Like if you were here with us, I think it was like last Christmas, uh, Lisa and Dana organized this Christmas drive, right, for a family that they'd really been caring for. And even um, uh, I'm thinking about Miss Shu, right, one of our, our widows here at our church, going to her house and playing mahjong, which I tried to do last week, and I was really sad I couldn't. I think Chris went there to go play mahjong with Mrs. Shu. And there's all these ways that we give up our own time to come alongside and serve one another. And so a lot of you guys are doing that, and thank you for doing that. And just an encouragement that you are living out uh, your identity in Christ. And I, but I also pray that maybe for some of you, some of those things would just be, again, an encouragement, a prodding by the Holy Spirit um, to enter in and do some of those things. As I think about uh, this maybe definition of service, I got this definition from or kind of a definition, from Paul Tripp. He's a well-known author um, that many people might read, and he said this about serving in the church, and I think it epitomizes what we're doing here in this vision series when we talk about pursuing restoration through the transforming power of the gospel, and it speaks even to Gina's testimony about sometimes serving is uncomfortable and inconvenient. It speaks to Little Blue Truck, that it's an inconvenience to get in the mud and serve, right? But this is what uh, Paul Tripp said. He said, church life was not designed to be comfortable. It's a chosen gathering of unfinished people grappling with their selfishness, their sin, seduction of temptation, living in a fallen world. But this mess is intended to yank us out of our own self-sufficiency, our own self-obsession, and to become people who really do love God and our neighbors. God puts broken people next to broken people so that we would be, comf- not that we would be comfortable with one another, so, but so that we can function as agents of transformation in the lives of one another. Right? We need every single person in this room to be a part of this restoration through the transforming power of the gospel. Each and every one of you matter because you are Christ. You're Christ's son and daughter, and he has made you to serve. He has made you with these good works to come alongside and love one another here. See, when we serve, we're agents of God's grand eternal story of restoration, all because of his mercy in our life, his grace-given gifts that enable us to serve. And so I want to end with this one story here by, about a person named Henrietta Mears. I don't know if many of you all know who this name is, um, but she ended up being a really important person in the kingdom of God, even if we don't know Uh, even if you don't know who she is. So she grew up in the 20th century in greater LA. Uh, She had a gift of teaching, so she devoted herself to that day in and day out. That was her passion, particularly through Sunday school. She wrote some Sunday school curriculums, Um, but she just loved, loved teaching. She loved pouring the heart of Christ into others that she herself had received. So she was doing this faithfully for a number of years, and then finally at the age of 57, she was leading this teaching conference Um, in the area that she lived and there was a group of students of hers that you know came along for this teaching and they had this really powerful experience she was doing her lesson and they were just really uh, just I don't know if convict is the right word but they what she was saying was profound so like man we got to go process this with her like I can't just leave it at that I want to go see her so these three men who were all like in their 20s went and found Henrietta Mears and were like talking about what she said and through the course of that night, they end up having this experience uh, where they're praying um, and this profound uh, heart uh, warmth, as they called it, which they ended up calling themselves the Fellowship of the Burning Heart. Um, not Fellowship of the Ring, sadly, but uh, <laughs> Fellowship of the Burning Heart. But the three people that were a part of this were Bill Bright, uh, Richard Halverson, and Louise Evans Jr. 
Billy Graham ended up being a part of it shortly thereafter. They were all friends in their 20s in this area, and they're like, yo, dude, we just experienced this. You need to come in and be a part of this fellowship. He's like, sweet. But all these people in their 20s, these are who these people became. A lot of you guys know Billy Graham and all the things that he did, how he traveled and, and spoke and um, spread the word. But Bill Bright was the person that ended up starting Campus Crusade for Christ that we now know as Crew. Uh, the other person, Richard Halverson, ended up becoming the chaplain for the United States Senate for a number of decades, and he led the prayer breakfast uh, that um, the Congress would have annually. And then Louise Evans Jr. ended up planting a church in the greater LA area, ended up ministering to a lot of actors in LA who had you know, found the pursuit of their life unfulfilling and, and empty. Um, Ron, the Reagan family ended up being a part of Lewis Evans Church. Lewis Evans Jr. ended up being called to D.C., so he was a pastor at a church in D.C. and ministered to a number of presidents while he was there. Queen Elizabeth ended up attending his church when she visited the U.S. Mother Teresa ended up visiting his church when um, she visited the U.S. And the point of all that is not to say, look at all these grand things they did by serving, right? The point of the story is Henrietta Mears. The fact that she was willing to serve and to teach, and the fact that she gave up numbers of hours, and what ended up being becoming this fellowship of men in their young 20s who went on to share the gospel with hundreds of thousands of people. And then the fact, if you kind of go one step back, right, like many of us don't know Henrietta Mears, but who shared the gospel with Henrietta Mears, right? Who served her in her church? And there's this um, just amazing, if you kind of go all the way back through the generations, this faithfulness of people who have given up their time to serve one another, to show the love of Christ, to be living sacrifices, and we just don't know what the fruits of that might be. So Christ showed us the way uh, when he became a living sacrifice for our sins, so we no longer have to live for ourselves, but that we would die to live for others. He was the suffering servant, as we often say, and so as we call ourselves follower of Christ, May we be reminded this Sunday that we too can go out and serve, not because we have to, not because it gives us merit or righteousness, but simply it's because of who we are as people with transformed minds, with particular gifts in the body of Christ. Let's pray.